0: This is Hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Independent Thought. My name is Desmond Price. And for today's episode, we are once again joined by January Walker, congressional candidate for Utah's fourth district. January, how are you doing today? Welcome back to the show.
1: Hey, Desmond. I'm amazing today. Thank you so much for having me back again.
0: Absolutely. So, you know, like in our ongoing series here, I wanted to have you come on, just talk about some more subjects uh, about, you know, about your campaign, about the state of Utah, Congress, the country, so on and so forth. We had planned on talking about something different today, but obviously with the recent developments of the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade and throwing all of the, you know, abortion quote unquote rights back to the states. I feel like it is the number one issue in America right now. It's the topic that everyone's talking about. And so it feels as though For someone who is running for office, we should be talking about this issue specifically. So let me get you on the record with this.
1: Yeah, perfect.
0: Where do you stand as far as what the Supreme Court did? You know, as far as them overturning it, do you think it was the right decision? You're in a state, Utah, that has one of these trigger laws. Where I think of as of you know the 11th of July, it's going to be going into effect. What are your thoughts on all this, and do you think the court made the right decision? Yeah.
1: So this is this is a very interesting question because. Uh, my my response is is not going to be a typical, uh, you know, two-sided response. Because the, the issue, and I, I think that the majority of our viewers would agree that the issue is incredibly complex. Uh, so the the first, to, to answer the first part of your question, um, I'm very concerned around the legislation that we've been seeing coming from uh, the different states. Uh, Utah is one of these states I know at the Republican um Convention uh, earlier this year that they actually discussed putting into a vote to even remove the protections that we have today. Uh, so protections being in the instance of loss of life of the mother or uh, rape or incest, right? So they they were considering um, putting forth an all-out ban, and what they opted to do instead was to vote not to vote on it at that time. Um, so those are those are the kind of individuals that that are driving these laws, when it comes specifically to the Supreme Court, I personally believe that when we were originally fighting for women's rights, that we should have taken the time to actually build the foundation around women's rights. So instead of just having one sweeping piece of legislation, uh, making it so that um, we have the basics covered. Uh, and, and I can go into that if, if you want, or, or we can, we can lead with your next question.
0: No, no, please go ahead. Go into it.
1: Okay. So, so the basics in my mind are the things that we can agree on. So I, a couple of months ago, um, I was able to, uh, to talk with pro-lifers that were um, passionate enough to show up at a pro-choice protest. And so you have Uh, two polarized groups, um, very, very angry, very frustrated, very upset. And at this experience, they started chanting um, back and forth with each other, but they were very polite. It was kind of unusual where one group would, would chant and then the, uh, and then wait patiently. And then the other group would chant their chant back and then wait patiently. And they just volleyed this back and forth a few times, uh, which was, kind of hilarious if, if you're, if you're on the outside looking in, right. And if it wasn't such a serious issue, but, um, but I was able to, to take the, the pro-life group aside and initially they weren't interested in talking with me, but, you know, just through being like, Hey, let's have an open conversation, listening to them and that kind of thing. I, I was able to, um, get them to agree to join the pro-choicers to champion, um, pro women's rights. And I think that that is, Uh, the foundation and the baseline and the common ground because it's like 93, 94% of the population agrees that in instances of the life of the mother, rape, incest, um, you know, if the child is is going to have a very painful um, pregnancy that they know will end um, with the loss of that child, right? So, so this, this is the baseline that needed to be established. And um, I'm gonna add one more thing into this, which is bounty hunting women. Like we don't need any bounty hunting. Um, so, so establishing those baseline laws across the United States should have been where we started instead of uh, coming in with a piece of legislation that, that, well, I mean, a court decision that could have been overturned, right? Based off of who was in the court at the time. So I think that you know, the moment that we, we had um, prohibition repealed, we should have recognized that any of those amendments could have been repealed and including this
0: one. Okay, let me let me go a little bit of a, a step further here. You know, the the courts, you know, has ruled in this I think it was a 6-3, you know, ruling go ahead and like throwing it back to the states. Now, people have said like, oh, this should be a states rights issue, you know, when it comes to something like this. And I find that to be a little bit odd that, you know, we say that certain quote unquote civil rights, you know, should be state's issues and others shouldn't be state's issues. Where do you fall on that specifically? Do you think that abortion access should be granted like unilaterally throughout the entire country, like the entire country should operate under the same set, kind of like how we had with the Roe v. Wade precedent? Or do you think it should be on a state by state issue?
1: I, I think that really what it comes down to is establishing that baseline level of protection for all Americans, right? There shouldn't, and I, and I know that this isn't quite the same um, terminology that, that, you're, that you're referring to the conversation, right? Uh, but, but access um, determination should be available and it should be at the provider's discretion and based off of the information that's there because when we look at some of these laws that say um, you know you have to go through with an ectopic pregnancy and whether this one is on the books or it's just being proposed right now the point is is that it's being put out there right and so so that is a risk to many of these um, individuals that they are experiencing pregnancy but if you have an ectopic pregnancy it's non-viable and it, it puts the life of the mother at risk and even if it only happens one percent of the time or once ever like that that's unacceptable to say you get to choose the option between death and between going to prison for 30 years 20 30 years right so so we have to establish what level of rights we would like to see for our citizens across the united states and um i i don't I personally don't think that 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 is an acceptable
0: choice for any American period. So I I hear what you're saying now. I kind of want to get a little more personal with you about this. Like for you specifically, do you find yourself more in the like pro-choice camp or in the pro-life camp? Or is it like a, is it to a certain extent, like choice up to a certain extent? Like I know that there are certain places right now in the country that are like, we're going to go with a a ban after 15 weeks, we see that in uh, Virginia, for instance, that's currently the the law of the land in Florida. um, I think these are important issues that people kind of like need to kind of like suss out. Uh, I think Chief Justice Roberts, for instance, uh, there was a there was an opinion that came out about him that said that he originally wanted to have it be a 15 week marker, but the rest of the conservative justices pushed for a complete overturning. Where do you sit with this? And do you think that there should be access for people to, uh, across the board or should it be limited to a certain amount like like where do you fall into that line
1: i i just don't believe that the government should be mandating childbirth like this this is a healthcare issue and that's that's ultimately what it comes down to and and when we look at individuals that um that go one way or the other so so me personally like you know have i had an abortion would i ever have an abortion most likely not, but like, what if my, I was going to pass away, right? Like, I think that, that if, if I was forced into making that decision and understanding that there's a, there's no probability for this fetus to, to come out alive and myself. So, so I, I think that that's more of the complexity of it because you, there's, you could say I'm both pro-life and pro-choice um, in, in this, like, like I said, would I choose it for myself? No, but I don't believe that the government should be making these decisions. And, um, I, I want to get into the portion about state rights and who's actually controlling at the state level. Um, when we, when we talk about this, uh, throughout our conversation, but, but I think that there, you know, are limitations, right? And I know that some people would disagree that there aren't limitations, but, um, I think a reasonable individual would say if, you know, you have um, a, a child that you know is 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 going to make it, they're, they're going to be born and things like that, that you wouldn't just go in and and uh, cut that life off after a certain point, right? But I wouldn't say that I would be the expert to determine when that certain point is. I, I would trust that the healthcare providers that there are experts in their field to be making that choice.
0: Okay. So there is um, a strange intersectionality here between talking about uh, this decision by the courts and how the states are going to implement their new laws here and technology, you know, a conversation that I know that you are very, you know, like fluent in. I see you talking all the time about blockchain voting, things of that nature. Uh, There is an interesting intersectionality between these two topics. We're going to get into that right when we come back from this break. So everyone just go ahead and stay tuned.
1: Thought listeners, has this past year helped you rediscover your creative and crafty side? Well, then you're going to love our sponsor for today's episode. Bathing Beauties Beads is a full-service bead shop in the heart of downtown Missoula. Whether it's seed beads, semi-precious stones, vintage beads, or just materials to make a project, they have something for every person and every price range. Not from Missoula? Don't worry. They have an extensive online store and they will ship directly to you. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, they'll welcome you and help you make your next project a reality. You can find them online at Bathing Beauties Beads on Instagram and Facebook or at bathingbeautiesbeads.com. And don't forget to use offer code INDEPENDENTTHOUGHT at checkout to save 15% on your order.
0: Welcome back from the break, everyone. Thank you for sticking with us through this episode of Independent Thought. So before the break, I had teased the fact that there's kind of an intersectionality between, you know, what happened with the abortion, uh, well, with Roe v. Wade being overturned, and technology, something that I know that you talk about quite a lot, uh, blockchain voting, which I'm sure we will get into more again in the future when we are speaking in future iterations. But one of the things that we are seeing right now this is coming through various different reports that there you know that law enforcement agencies in these different states you know might be using things like search histories or tracking people's data on their apps to see like if they're looking for abortion clinics or abortion pills so on and so forth and then using this data, this information to go ahead and go after people who might be crossing state lines to get abortions, uh, who might be seeking abortion pills coming through the mail. It seems like an incredible breach of privacy. Uh, and, and I think it kind of like parallels to conversations that we've seen elsewhere about how much privacy should we have with our data and how the governments, and that can be you know federal government or state's governments, being able to go into our data and then use that basically against us almost in a minority report situation. That's what we're seeing right now. Like, What, what are your thoughts on this? And do we need federal legislation in order to protect people's data rights?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually, I'm actually very glad that you brought up this part of the conversation because the rest of it was um, like uh, abortion is a symptom of the problem. It's not actually the solution itself. Um, and so When we look at personal privacy, you absolutely 100% have a right to your data and your information and the expectation that people aren't tracking you and following you. And this is something that we messed up in the past with the legislation that we put out specifically in the web two space. Web two is uh, like Facebook, um, Instagram, that kind of thing. So that is all web two technology. And now we're at the point of web three where there's a decentralization of information and you control all your information yourself. And this isn't technology that we have to push for. It's, it's already in the works. It's not in the works because of Roe v. Wade or anything like that. Um, and uh, personal privacy is something that's like uh, extremely foundational to me, like even before any of this happened because the, the gross negligence of our legislatures in creating um, protections around American citizens, especially since 9/11 uh, has, has just been um, a terrible mistake and those legislatures are still in office today, making laws for us still and they're, they're about to make laws for web 3 and determining whether or not you know police officers and law enforcement can have this information, which technically they can, right? Uh, you can go through, you can find this information, you can data mine it, uh, and then you can obtain appeals and whatnot. So we, we have solutions are going to come to the table and um, that that will protect you and disrupt industries and save us money and do everything that we should have done 20 years ago.
0: Right. So I, I guess like just go a little, a little bit of a step further. Do you think there should be federal legislation that protects everyone from this type of from this type of like acquisition of their of their of their data in general or yeah. do you think that there should be some level of police law enforcement being able to have access to this like wh- where is the line drawn
1: no there's absolutely no reason that your government should be tracking you on things like this uh health um you know like what's in your mind like thoughts heart whatever that is they should not be tracking you on these things and let me let me take it a little bit further, just to, to kind of explain why, right? Because everybody's so they're thinking, well, this is the abortion conversation, and if you're if you're pro-choice, you may uh, you may be like, yeah, you know, where does it that extend to? And if you're if you're an individual that aligns on the pro-life side, you're probably thinking, no, we should absolutely have access to that to prevent people from from breaking the law. But but really, it, it comes down to something more extreme and nefarious than. Than, than this. So um, today you have a digital image. So with your phone, right, how you walk. Um, so the gate of your walk, how you hold your phone, how you type on your phone, uh, how you speak, all of this has a biometric footprint. and It's called a behavioral biometric footprint. And so you essentially have a digital image. Of yourself. And that extends into you know, the physical data that you, you you're aware of. Like, oh, I keep all my notes here and you know, I, I track on this level and you know your healthcare stuff and, and everything. So you have this entire digital footprint about you. And that's able to be sold to people, um, to anybody. And there's there's no protections for you as of currently. And and it's I, I was talking to a company last year that, that was offering me employment. And the extent of, the, of how they use the data just made me so sick to my stomach. It's like, this is unethical. Like, you shouldn't be doing this. Um, and and with that, they know everything about you. And so I, I tried going into my data and tracking it and, and finding out where it was going, right? Because this is all information in your phone. You when As soon as you click those, like, terms and conditions, you don't know where the data is going. It's off out in, in the ethos. So... Uh, with that, when I couldn't track my data past a certain point, that's when it became alarming because you find companies like Mastercard. like why would a company like Mastercard be buying up your behavioral biometric data, right? Or why would they need any of your data that's in your phone period or, you know, knowing these things about, like they ultimately, they shouldn't know, right? It's, it's, it's even beyond the Roe v. Wade conversation where they shouldn't know. So even though the the Supreme Court may not think that personal privacy is a fundamental human right, I 100% disagree on on that level alone. And that is something that you should have access to and and police officers um, shouldn't be uh, in your personal business because at the end of the day, it's not just police officers, that's another person that is, is violating your right to personal privacy.
0: Okay. I appreciate you taking the time to kind of like go into that and and say specifically like why we do need these rights to be maintained, because it feels as though right now we're living in a time where our rights are just kind of more and more being eroded. I mean, especially in, in the privacy sector. You know, I think, again, you pointed like absolutely like since 9-11, since basically the the abject, you know, of the Patriot Act. Like everything has gone downhill ever since then. And it seems as though people have become more and more accustomed to it. But I, there has to be a line that has to be drawn. Because at a certain point, it feels like people aren't going to have any privacy anywhere. And it, it, I would hope that more people would be upset about this and want to talk about this. And hopefully lawmakers want to protect us from that inevitable conclusion that it seems like they were going towards. So thank you for talking about that. Janie. where, where can more people find out about you and your campaign uh, online?
1: Yeah. So you can find more out about me on my website. And you can also find me on any of the social medias, which is just at Utah politician. So take your pick between TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and um, that extends like clubhouse. We do spaces. We have a lot of conversations around this and, and I always try and, and answer questions as openly and as honestly as, possible is humanly possible so that it's 100% authentic when, when you receive this information.
0: All right, thank you so much. And January will be going to the general election in the state of Utah uh, coming, well, coming this November. It's gonna be a very interesting midterm around the entire country, but you know, best of luck to you in that race January. For those who are interested, those links that she just mentioned will be in the episode description. So go ahead and click into there now and you will see those links. Thank you to everyone for checking out this episode of Independent Thought. We will see you in the next one.